complete gibberish that I made up on the spot and it was still infinitely better than anything Bono or U2 could come up with on their own trying real hard because they're a garbage band and they're garbage people and if you like them you're a garbage <laughs> just kidding just kidding you're great dead serious about U2 though hi I'm your host Tyrone Heppard and welcome to another episode of the Bringer Show Comedy Podcast. And let me tell you something. This week, we are profiling comedian Miss Pat, and I am very excited. You know, Miss Pat is like among the few comics I had in mind when I wanted to, when I came up with the idea to start this podcast. So I am very, very excited to dive in to her work, let you know about her. Uh, but before we do that, you know what we got to do. We got to take care of some business. We got to handle the business. And I wanted to let you guys know that if you had any questions, comments, concerns, suggestions, critiques, criticisms, nice things, bad things to say to me, your host, you can let me know those things. By hitting me up on social media. Where? Well, you can catch me on the talk at Bring a Show Pod. You catch me on the gram at Bring a Show Pod. Now, you can even tweet your twits at Bring a Show Pod on Twitter. And, of course, as always, if you would like to handcraft a criticism or respectfully write a rave review for the Bring a Show Pod, you can send that along. To me at bringershowpod at gmail.com. Now, this week, like I said, first of all, let me just say, I, apparently, I have some sort of affinity for Southern comedy because a few weeks ago, we highlighted Fortune Feimster, right? Who's from North Carolina. The show after that, we profiled. Theo Vaughn, the Rat King, is from Louisiana. And now, this week, I want to talk about Miss Pat, who was born in Atlanta. But Miss Pat's different. See, unlike Fortune and Theo, I was actually... I actually got to see Miss Pat rise to prominence, right? Like, now... And we're going to talk about this in the episode. She's, like, doing a tour to promote her new TV show. So she's hitting up all the big comedy podcasts, right? But I was listening to those same podcasts. The Marins and the Rogans and Joey Diaz and, and all of them when, when she was just coming out. 
and people didn't know who she was. And this lady just, you know, hit the comedy scene like a meteor. And people were like, who the hell is this? And I remember watching her on the, the Netflix special because I had heard about her, right? Um, but I'd never seen her shit. So I remember watching her on Degenerates and going, oh, this lady's got it. And then she was actually supposed to play the Funny Bone here in Syracuse right before the pandemic. And I was gonna go. I was gonna go see Miss Pat. But then COVID happened and stripped that opportunity away from me. So I've been a fan or trying to become a bigger fan, I guess, since I heard about this lady way back a couple of years ago. Um, so that's very, very exciting for me to actually have the opportunity to maybe introduce one or two more people to her because, listen, the woman's got some crazy stories. If you don't know, you're about to find out. So you know what? I'm done talking. Let's just get to the profile and ladies and gentlemen, Miss Pat, let's do this. One of the things I despise most about social media in today's age of podcasts, Reddit threads, comment sections, live streams, hot takes, TikToks, viral videos, and all this content and influencing in general is how the internet is absolutely responsible for upping the dose of toxicity you're likely to encounter online. I mean, I don't have to explain any of this to you. Y'all know how the internet works, right? We all know there are all sorts of shady and terrible people out there, but I think the worst kind of internet person is the kind of person consistently feeling the need to keep it real. I found that a lot of the time when people make this specific claim, it's used as an excuse to be a terrible person. When you hear somebody say they're going to keep it real, you might as well translate that as them saying they're going to be difficult or embarrassing, that someone's probably going to get hurt one way or another, and gosh, they tried to avoid it, but they can't be anything other than an obnoxious jackwagon because, well, it's in their nature. And do you know why? Because they keep it real. And it wasn't always this way. It used to be keeping it real meant being honest with yourself and others even when it might be hard to accept. But now, keeping it real has this stank on it, you know? People use it as a way to disparage others and to harsh mellows, man. They use it to be rude and be a generally unpleasant person. This makes things difficult for those of us with decent manners and home training because whenever someone decides they want to keep it real, you can expect they're about to make any bad situation worse and, at the very least, pretty awkward. I'm willing to bet there's comics out there like this. I certainly know comedy fans love keeping it real. And it's a hard job they have. I mean, think about it. Imagine being saddled with the burden of having to let all of us scrubs know that the comics everyone sees killing, all those guys, yeah, they're not as funny as their ticket sales or their work schedules or their rabid fan base or their overall popularity would have us believe. Clearly, their success is unearned or imagined, and those comedy fans are simply seeing what the rest of us can't. Don't get mad at them for keeping it real. But the good news is, there are still people out there who actually keep it real. People who can tell you about some shit. Some grown folk shit. Some real shit. 
And comedian Miss Pat is one of those people, both on and off the stage. You see, Miss Patricia Williams is originally from Atlanta, Georgia. Specifically, she was brought up in a poor bootlegger's house in Decatur and grew up during the height of the crack epidemic. After being preyed on by a married man of 22 when she was 12, Miss Pat would find herself with two kids by the time she was 15. Not really knowing her father, after her mother died when she was 16, she was forced to drop out of the 8th grade and to make money. The only way for her to do that was to sell drugs. That's just a synopsis. The early life and times of Miss Pat was wild, tragic, cruel, and hard. She's seen all kinds of abuse and violence. She's been shot twice. She's been incarcerated. Basically, all the bad things you would associate with being a teen mom slinging dope in the hood during the 80s happened to Miss Pat. However, she also turned her life completely around and helped out as many people as she could along the way. She left her abusive relationship, got married, and has stayed married for more than 20 years, in addition to raising a large and stable family. When it came to comedy, she was given the idea to try stand-up by her welfare social worker in 2002 and has slowly been building up her fan base grassroots style from the ground up ever since. As a result, Miss Pat put out a comedy album in 2017 called Rabbit. It was her nickname growing up. That same year, she released a book about her life, Rabbit, the autobiography of Miss Pat. In 2018, she featured alongside other dynamic comics in season one of Netflix's half-hour comedy series, The Degenerates. She started her own podcast, The Pat Down, which is doing damn well. And right now, she's promoting the hell out of her new sitcom called The Miss Pat Show, streaming on BET+. As of the recording of this podcast, the show just came out to rave reviews. Everyone loves it. So... Suffice it to say, Miss Pat has kept it real her whole life. But do you think that stopped any of these haters out here from trying to keep it real with her along the way? Of course not. We've all seen it, haven't we? You start making some improvements in your life. Maybe you've decided to quit drinking or smoking. Maybe you decided to go back to school or ditch the toxic friend. You start doing better and people want to make sure you don't. The way they see it, you're an idiot for even wanting to change things in the first place, right? In Miss Pat's case, it was a relative who tried to convince her she was crazy for wanting to make a better life for her and her family. She talked a little bit about this with Mark Marin on his WTF podcast back in 2014. Let's check it out. I'm telling my niece, when you get out of the hood, don't fucking go back. It's like fucking getting out of jail. Don't go commit another crime to do to go back to jail. My niece fought me like a dog in the beginning. Oh, you live in this big old house in this white neighborhood. You want to act like you bougie. You want to act like you better. I say, bitch, I'm trying to survive. I'm trying to show my kids something better. I'm trying to make sure my kids graduate and don't have kids. And it took me about three to four months to dig in her brain to realize her getting turned up don't pay no fucking bills, boo-boo. Yeah. Getting turned up don't don't provide for your kids. Getting turned up don't help your kids but get a better better education living in the hood. She finally realized. She called me yesterday. She said, I'm so glad that you got us out the hood. And I said, well, what went on? My niece, my niece who got the five kids, her kid's father had some kids. The little boy shot himself in the face yesterday in Atlanta. 
my three God. years old. And she said, That's could've, that could have been my son. You know why? Because y'all too busy getting turned up, getting high, putting guns and drugs around these kids. Because it's okay. It's okay if your past is hanging and you being tough. I mean, that's the image that you want to show your young black your young black uh, kid. It's amazing that it took four months for her to realize any sort of oh, truth Oh, shit, I'm that. still fighting her. I'm still fighting her. But she's beginning to realize. She's she's like, oh, you think you, you know, at first she was saying, I think I'm better than everybody. I said, no, bitch. I work hard to get where I'm at. I work hard to keep my daughter before becoming a teenage mom. My daughter's the first one, Mark, yeah. in, in three generations to graduate high school. She's the first one to ever go to college in three generations as I can remember. So to get my daughter to that point, not her be pregnant, you know, not her being on drugs, not her dropping out, not giving me problems, that was a milestone. When that girl walked down that aisle and got that high school diploma, I, I cried so hard. But then she, my daughter said, I'm like, what are you crying for? I said to myself, if you knew what I went through in life to get you to this point, the cycle is finally broken. Mm-hmm. The cycle is finally broken in my family. So like I said, Miss Pat had to build a comedy career out of nothing. When it comes to young comics starting out, I was once falsely under the impression any place with a mic would be happy to have you in their club. If you were ballsy enough to take the mic, it was yours, right? Guess that's not how it works. At least that's not how it worked for Miss Pat. When she moved to Indianapolis from Atlanta, she soon learned she had to make a few adjustments to her act if she was going to be serious about comedy. This involved Miss Pat having to come to terms with her past, making jokes about some serious issues, and working it all out in front of strangers on a regular nightly basis. Apparently, though, this wasn't good enough for the guy who owned the only club Miss Pat had access to in Indianapolis. You see, he felt the need to keep it real about what he thought she was capable of as a comic. A few weeks ago, Miss Pat spoke more about this with Greg Fitzsimmons on his show, Fitzdog Radio. Let's listen in. Your podcast. I want to talk about uh, what is it called? The pat, the pat, the pat down, the pat down, which which you do with my friend uh, Dion Curry. Yeah, yeah. He's here to go on the road with you. Yeah, he opens for me. Yeah, on the road. That Dion was my first friend in Indiana. Is that I just right? left him. We just left Raleigh together. Oh, no kidding, really? Yes, he was my first friend that I met the day I got to Indiana. Because wow. you remember, you remember the guy. I can't say his name, but you remember the guy who used to run Morty's, yeah. the black guy. Yeah, yeah. I did a whole episode on how he treated me. Oh no, shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure if you started in the box office, you didn't get a lot of respect on stage. Well, I didn't start in the box office. I didn't, I didn't get any respect at all. Just for some reason, you know, the person didn't like me. Yeah. And I don't know why. You know, I was looking for guidance. I'm from Atlanta. I come from a very urban uh, uh, setting. Yeah. You know, I started at Uptown Comedy. And uh, I thought I was pretty funny. I mean, I'm a young comic. You, A lot of us think we're pretty good at five years. But I knew I had something there. And this person just totally rejected me when I got to Indy and treated me like crap. But I never gave up. And then I remember Dion said, why do you do this? See a piece of shitty treat? I said, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. You're logging your hours. Yeah, I'm, I know what I'm doing. I said, I said, I don't need, I do need the money at this time in my career, but he got something that I can't buy, which is stage time. Mm-hmm. And that's all I want to do is get better. Yeah. So I took a lot of bullshit. Yeah. I mean, I remember having a conversation with this person and this person said, I said, I did a guest by because you know it was in it was Carmel so it was a white club yeah you know it was in the white area he said well my seven o'clock crowd would never get you you to ghetto and that shit kicked me in my chest like a brick mm-hmm. and I went outside to my car 
and I, w- I kind of cried. And I came back to the bar, and his cousin was a bartender. He was like, um, what's wrong with you, Miss Pastor? I'm good. I said, I'm good. I said, because that's what he want me to do. He said all this ugly shit so he can run me away because he know there's no clubs in Indiana. Right. You know, this is one of the main clubs here. Yeah. So I said, okay. I said, okay. I said, well, when you think I'm ready, that's fine. So I just... I went to the club every weekend because I didn't have no rose gigs. I went to the club every weekend, Greg. Just sat in the back, kept my mouth shut. I didn't say anything. So what happened was one day, dear Hughley is running late. Mm, as he does. <laughs> <laughs> as he does. He was coming out of Chicago and it was a fucking snow, store, uh, okay. snowstorm. Yeah. And it was wall to wall packed. Yeah. And you know, once you get my my black people, they chicken and they hen and say they ready to fucking uh, land. We ain't yeah. gonna be waiting over the extra 35, 40 minutes. Yeah. And he needed to fill those slots with some time. Uh-huh. And I'm sitting in the back. I don't say shit because I knew one day he was gonna need me. Uh-huh. He said, can you go up and do about 10, 15 minutes? Dear Hughley is on the way. It's snowing. And you Everybody now they don't they don't everybody don't order. I said, oh sure, I destroyed that yeah. bitch. As yeah. Dio walked in, he was like, who the fuck is that on stage? <laughs> and he was like, Miss Pay. He was like, oh, give us some more time during the week. And and then he couldn't say shit. He still tried to hold out. Cheryl Underwood came to town. I was like, how stupid can you be when you got a good comic here right. and you can start a night with this person and make you some fucking money? Oh, she put it in his head. Yeah, she put it in his head. She was she because she was she very vocal. Yeah. She's like, you're a stupid motherfucker if you don't use this good comic right here. Yeah. And right after she left, I got that busted good Thursday. Wow. But but people people want to blow up and you know sometimes you just gotta keep getting kicked in the face. Until, because yeah. it's your dream. Right. Because if you walk away and say, oh, that person don't like me, then you're allowing them to kill your dream. And mm-hmm. I was not going to allow that clown to kill my dream. Wow. Now, I swear, I did not plan on this happening. But while I was doing my research, I stumbled across a gem. I'm not going to play the whole thing, but here's about two minutes of a 10-minute set Ms. Pat actually did at that club, Morty's. Not sure exactly when this was recorded. It's dated July 2009. But for a moment, let's all imagine that we're that owner. And imagine how salty he must be when he hears this happening around him. And my kids love living in Plainville, too. My kids love it. My daughter come home all day to my mommy, mommy. I'm like, what, sweetheart? To my mommy, did you know that statistic says that the average black woman has at least two baby daddies? I'm like, who in the hell is statistics? <laughs> and why is this heifer telling you all my damn business? <laughs> Get your chunk ass out of here. I'm still looking for your daddy. Let me ask y'all something. Any of y'all got those little fat kids at home with a full set of titties and no nipples? Come on, I saw some of you when you walked in here. My daughter kind of, my, my daughter is fat, y'all. I'm, she's fat as hell, but she is so picky about what she eat. I took out the Burger King the other day. I'm like, what do you want, sweetheart? To my, uh, uh. And I don't know why little fat kids always say, uh when they know they'll eat every damn thing on the menu. I'm like, what do you want? To my, uh, go and give me a double Whopper combo. I'm like, hell no, you six years old. To 
Mama, go and give me two of them kids' meal. And substitute one of them toys for another fry. Damn, you greedy. Just greedy. Miss Pat has front-loaded her comedy with real-life experiences with a little bit of her personal takes and observations sprinkled in. Lots of comics have stories. Few have Miss Pat stories. And I think what differentiates her from her peers is her personality, and in the blunt, matter-of-fact way she says things audiences probably didn't think they'd ever hear in their lives. And why shouldn't she do it that way? Everyone likes to talk about how real they like to keep it, right? Everyone thinks they like edgy humor and dark comedy. All right, then, sit down. Grab a drink and brace for impact, Sally, because Miss Pat's about to drop some knowledge on your bitch ass. And when Miss Pat comes to the stage, either you're ready or you're not. When I think of her comedy style, I envision her as a bomber pilot, expertly flying her routine high above the heads of a lot of people in the largely unsuspecting crowd. Sure, some folks on the ground are familiar with the sight and sounds coming from above, but none are prepared for the destruction. Miss Pat's logged her thousands of hours of flight time in venues all across the country. You're damn right she's an expert. But there will be no precision strikes. Miss Pat is indiscriminate as she carpet bombs the room with jokes, each punchline and explosion, each tag shrapnel as the truth stings and hangs in the air like the smell of napalm. She kills hard, fast, and in waves, and I imagine the end of any Miss Pat set leaves people crying with laughter as she takes off into the night, leaving the showroom looking like something out of Baghdad. And that's the thing I personally love about Miss Pat's comedy. While the jokes hit, and you don't have to have lived a life exactly like hers to know where she's coming from, they hit just a little bit harder when you do. Some themes of Miss Pat's stand-up are easy to identify with, right? Working hard, being the odd one out, being underestimated and overlooked. The other stuff, though, the dark stuff, the real stuff, well, let's just say if you know, you know. And the way she turns all that hurt and despair into something so funny, using it to make people laugh, to turn a pain that deep into pure joy like that? God damn, that's not just comedy, folks. That's art. But what makes Miss Pat special to me isn't just the way she's provoking difficult conversations and making us laugh while doing it. It's the fact that she's all about positivity. Miss Pat has said in multiple interviews at a young age, she realized she needed to surround herself with positive, professional people so she could become one of them herself and teach others how to do the same. And indeed, Miss Pat teaches us whether you're from the ghetto or from the burbs, we all have more in common with each other than we know. Furthermore, she reminds us we are not our mistakes and that anyone willing to work hard and improve themselves is deserving of a second chance. Bad things happen, but they don't have to define you or predict your future. And... Let's keep it real. Some of it's kind of funny. Now this week, I've decided instead of playing clips from Rabbit, I want to play this 10-minute set she did at the Gotham Comedy Club in New York City back in 2014. Um, I picked it because uh, she tells a few of the same jokes in this clip as she did on as she does on Rabbit. Um, she tells some other stuff I hadn't heard before personally, and I thought it was cool. And it really gives you an idea of how Miss Pat's personality just takes over a room. So, 
Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, your headliner this evening, very funny comic from Indianapolis, Indiana, by way of the A, Atlanta, Georgia. I'm going to need y'all to put your hands together for the one, the only, Miss Pat. How the hell y'all doing? <laughs> I start by saying, ladies, I've been trying to lose weight, but I'm in that first stage, you know, you know when we just thinking about it? <laughs> I gotta lose weight, cause I'm tired of shopping at plus size stores like Lane Bryant. Who in the fuck told Lane Bryant that fat girls like wildlife prints on their clothes? <laughs> Zebra, tiger, alligator, Garkzilla. <laughs> I'm walking through the mall with my polar bear shirt on. <laughs> and my leopard pants. Do you know security had a nerve and try and tranquilize me? <laughs> I'm like, get the hell away from me, I'm not a polar bear. <laughs> but I do like shopping there when they got my favorite panties on sale, three for $60. <laughs> Material cost. <laughs> But I hate when the cashier don't know what it feel like to be a plus-size woman. I get to the register with my three for 60 panties. The cashier gonna have in there to take my drawers and hold them up and start folding them like the American flag. I look back, people salute me and shit. And I don't know if you know this, but when you a plus-size woman, other plus-size women automatically think you they friends. <laughs> I'm like, get the fuck away from me, fat girl. <laughs> we may not be fat for the same reason. <laughs> you probably ate too much. My thyroid could be fucking up. I'm from Atlanta, I'm from Atlanta. I grew up in Atlanta. Um, not the good part, the hood. <laughs> I grew up with an alcoholic parent. I don't know if any of you guys ever had alcoholic, drunk-ass parents. But my mom was the type of alcoholic, the most she drank, the most she wanted to motivate me. <laughs> Every day when I come home from school, she would say shit like, Pat, reach for the stars. <laughs> and I hope you hit the sun and burn up. <laughs> Be all you can be, and if that don't work out, you can always be a hoe. <laughs> like, damn, mom, I'm eight years old. <laughs> well, my mother wasn't the type of parent that did a lot of whooping because she was a very small lady, and she had five kids that was a lot bigger than her. So my mama walked around every day, y'all, with a 22 pistol and used to threaten the hell out of us. <laughs> One day I forgot to wash dishes, she busted my room like a sniper. Papa, bitches, didn't I tell y'all to wash them dishes? I'm thinking like, we poor as hell, where she keep getting all these bullets from? <laughs> you shouldn't have more bullets than you do food. But the shit that used to piss me off the most about my mom, y'all, is every day when I came home from school, she would take me into her bedroom and make me sit in a chair and just throw a fucking newspaper in my lap and force me to read her her horoscope. <laughs> because she couldn't read. 
but he used to piss me off cause I couldn't read either. So I would make up shit. Sagittarius, stop shooting at your kids. Daddy ain't coming back. You look better with teeth. <laughs> and I will say this, growing up in the hood, I've been through a lot of my life, I have. I've been shot two times and hit by a dump truck. <laughs> Nobody gives a fuck who shot me, they like, who hit you with a dump truck? <laughs> the same dude who shot me. We was in love. <laughs> I wish this shit wasn't true. <laughs> so the first time I got shot, I was standing on the corner in my neighborhood. I was 15 years old, and I was standing there one night, and I'm running inventory through my small business. <laughs> and this guy ride up, and he started shooting, so I started running. Y'all, I ran down through this alley and I jumped over this fence. I know what y'all thinking, Miss Pat, your big ass ain't jumped over no fence. <laughs> Fuck y'all, that was 20 years ago. Back when fences were really strong. <laughs> I ran into my girlfriend's house, she was like, what's wrong? I'm like, they out there shooting. She was like, why you got blood all over your shirt? I looked down, my whole right side is full of blood. So you know, ladies, I'm thinking, you know, maybe I snagged my nipples on the fence. <laughs> Cause they hang like that. <laughs> I'll give y'all a few minutes. I know there's some scary shit white people. <laughs> Don't feel sorry for me. If you feel it sorry for me, write me a check. <laughs> I look at my shirt and I'm bleeding really bad. I'm like, get me to the hospital. Y'all, we get to the hospital and the doctor examined me. He was like, ma'am, somebody blew your right nipple off. I'm like, like a bullseye? He was like, yeah, but you lucky. Because if you was an A cup, you would have died. Them little titties would have got you killed, baby. Be real titties. These titties smell like feet in the middle. <laughs> you okay, baby, you okay? <laughs> you know, white girls don't like you talking about their titties. <laughs> but I tell you, my life changed, y'all, when I went through the welfare to work program during Bill Clinton. And I tell you, I don't know if you ever been on welfare, but welfare is a lot like diabetes. If the mama get it, there's a good chance the daughter might get it. <laughs> my mama got it, my sister got it, my nieces got it, I got it, my fucking daughter didn't get it. Cause let me tell you, I got a 21-year-old niece that got five kids and she's on welfare. And I told her the other day, I was like, girl, won't you stop having all these damn babies and get a job? She was like, I can't get no job. I'm like, why? Tell me, cause I got ADHD and I smoke weed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? Michael Felt got ADHD, smoke weed, eight gold medal, and a Subway commercial. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Justin Timberlake got ADHD and he brought sexy back. <laughs> but I tell you, while I was on the welfare to work program, on this program I was able to get my GED, get off parole, and get my very first job. And I'm doing like most people do when they get their very first job working at McDonald's in the hood. I'm stealing $100 a day out of the register. <laughs> you know they don't pay shit. <laughs> I had just stole $100, y'all, and in walked this white dude with a suit on with a plug in his ear. So, you know, I'm thinking like, holy shit, they done caught me stealing, I'm going back to jail. <laughs> Two seconds later, he say, it's clear, send them in. In walked President Jimmy Carter. Now, let me tell y'all something. At this point in my life, I was a straight hood rat. I had just stopped robbing white peoples and running out of grocery stores and shit. <laughs> and I remember Jimmy Carter face with my social studies book, but I couldn't remember his name for shit. <laughs> he get to my restaurant, I do the most ghetto shit ever. I looked at Jimmy Carter, I'm like, nigga, where the fuck I know you from? <laughs> Secret Service busts out laughing. <laughs> the boy the girl's like, no, Patricia, that's the president of the United States. I turn around to my nigga, I told y'all know your ass. Your cheeseburger free. <laughs> Thank y'all, I'm Miss Pat. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Miss Pat's name has been added to the virtual wall of our digital comedy club. Now, if you would like to see Miss Pat live in your town, you could do that if you live in any of the following places and have time on the following days. She will be at the Pittsburgh Improv, August 27th, 28th. Um, she'll be at Cobb's Comedy Club in San Francisco, October 1st and 2nd. She'll also be at the Punchline Philly in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, that shithole, October 7th. And October 8th, I also recommend that you check out Miss Pat's Instagram to keep up to date with what she's doing. I'm going to imagine, per the release of her show, she's got a lot of shit going on. She's kind of busy, so you might want to follow that. And you can also check out her website, misspatcomedy.com, for more information about what she's doing and how she's living there. Now, I've been playing a lot of clips this week. So I'm sure my time is almost up real quick, though. Again, get at me on the social media, bring a show pod on TikTok, on Instagram, on Twitter. You can email me, bring a show pod at gmail.com. And that's it for me this week. Again, I've been your host, Tyrone Heppard. This is the Bring a Show Comedy Podcast. We will see you again in a couple of weeks. You guys have been great. Thanks for listening.